Hello, and welcome to the Economic and Market Watch podcast for the week of February 26, 2024. This is John Suter of CFC. Today, we're going to discuss the pressure of relying so much on the precious few and why that might not be such a great thing in certain circumstances. Remember a couple weeks ago when we chatted about the Magnificent Seven, how just seven stocks contributed 63.4% of the overall 40% gain in the NASDAQ index for all of 2023. Can these companies continue to outperform and carry the rest of the index with them to greater heights in 2024? For some, the top-heavy nature of the U.S. equity market is a big concern. Likewise, the same could be said for the world economic growth outlook. But in this case, the concern is even more concentrated since we are talking about only one economy that is expected to carry the world on its shoulders. And you guessed it, our very own the United States of America. The problem for the world right now is that dangers exist when the United States is doing well while most other countries in the global economy are not. Here at home, jobs are plentiful and consumers are confident in spending. Stocks reached a record in February with the S&P 500 exceeding 5,000 and the dollar is strong. However, the same cannot be said for some of our biggest trading partners that continue to struggle. For example, there is no good news coming from the second largest economy in the world, that being China. China remains bogged down by a real estate slump, and worse yet, foreign investors have fled the nation in a stock market route that's erased $7 trillion since a peak in early 2021. In Europe, the UK slipped into a mild recession in the second half of 2023, and Germany, the strongest economy of the European Union, is in danger of contracting again in 2024, which will likely drag down the rest of the eurozone. Japan, the third largest economy in the world, unexpectedly fell into a recession last year as well. As a result, the U.S. will continue to outshine economies in much of the rest of the world this year. So how can stronger U.S. growth be a bad thing, one might ask? It's mainly through lingering high interest rates and a strong dollar here at home. Reducing inflation in the U.S. remains a stop-and-go process. Consumer prices jumped at the start of the year, stalling recent disinflation progress and disappointing investors who were hoping that the Federal Reserve would begin cutting rates soon. And because of that, here's the rub. Higher U.S. interest rates help keep borrowing costs elevated around the world. That's a particular problem for emerging economies that have borrowed in dollars and really can't rely on raising money in their local currencies. The hope was and still is that early interest rate cuts by the Fed would clear the way for emerging economy central banks to start bringing borrowing costs down. That has not happened and is not likely to happen during the first half of this year. The robust U.S. economy also supports a strong dollar, which makes it more costly for emerging economies to buy U.S. dollars to pay debt service on dollar-denominated outstanding debt. For dollar-borrowing foreign countries, it's a double-edged sword that will continue to be problematic given the current circumstances. But is it a given that the U.S. economy will remain strong? Not necessarily because economists are already starting to see some current weaknesses as recession probability has come down, but is still 40% for 2024. For our rural economies, small business optimism last month suffered the biggest drop in more than a year, hurt by deteriorating profits and diminishing sales expectations, according to the National Federation of Independent Business. Many have noted that if the economy falters, it will be the country's 33 million small businesses that send up the warning flares, many of whom may be part of your cooperative's commercial load. Government data show these companies account for two 
out of every three jobs added in the past 25 years. We all know on this podcast that more jobs means more income and more of what Americans do best, spend, spend, and spend. That's 70% of the economy and what makes us great. Americans are also carrying bigger credit card balances. Average card balances now exceed $6,000, the highest in 10 years according to TransUnion, which is weighing on lower-income households. Believe it or not, for credit card accounts with assessed interest, the interest rate averaged 22.75%, around the highest in the Fed's database going back to 1995. And the average rate on 60-month car loans is now the highest dating all the way back to 2006. All told, credit conditions have tightened noticeably, and credit demand indicators are weak, which negatively impact the desire to spend. Don't forget that it's the unforeseen shock that could knock the U.S. economy off course as well. This shock could come from either China or Europe weakening further, which would then leave the world without a growth leader. Not good. Remember that song released in 1978 by the band Chic Le Freak? Freak Out? We certainly don't want the entire world running around with Freak Out on their minds. Believe me, when every country is running scared like Chicken Little, the business confidence and investment opportunities come to a standstill. For now, though, the U.S. appears set to continue as the world economy's outperformer, so much so that the International Monetary Fund revised their forecast for world growth this year to 3.1% from 2.9% in October. Let's hope they are right, because the alternative is not good for anybody, including the United States. That's it for today, but before I go, if you're a staff member or a director as a CFC member electric co-op, you can join me next Monday, March 4th, for the Quarterly Economic and Financial Market Review webinar. Sign up for it or see our recorded webinars in the online learning section of the member website. Thank you for listening and be sure to download the Economic and Market Watch dashboard. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.